0: Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, your shorthand guide to the week's TV news stories brought to you by our editorial team and some of the biggest brains in the business. I'm senior reporter Max Goldbart, and in case you hadn't noticed, it's US election week this week. But how on earth does one go about covering the tumultuous administration of a man who regularly labels some parts of the TV news media as the enemy? To answer all my burning questions and cut through the fake news is Robert Moore, ITV News Washington correspondent, who himself is in the midst of covering his fifth US election. Robert has the skinny on four years of covering The Former Apprentice star, plus he tells us what he's been watching on this week's Broadcast News Wrap. So I'm simply delighted to welcome ITV News Washington correspondent Robert Moore. Uh, We're recording on Thursday 5th of November, the afternoon, with Joe Biden currently ahead of Donald Trump by around 50 electoral college votes, according to some parts of the media. Uh, Although there is a bit of a way to go, um, and it sounds as if Donald Trump uh, is not going to go lightly. But what we're really here to do is drill down into the experience of covering such a topsy-turvy election and administration for a major broadcaster. Robert, welcome. Welcome.
1: Well, Max, thanks for having us. Always great to, uh, to talk and to talk television, news and politics and indeed the intersection of the two.
0: Exactly, exactly. So how have, how have your last 48 hours been and, and have you slept at all, most importantly?
1: Well, I, we always say in this business that sleeping is for, you know, uh, is for after mm-hmm. the election is over and after the conclusion has been drawn. So no, we haven't had a lot of sleep but it's been an exhilarating kind of journalistic experience. Uh, you know, I've covered a few campaigns. I often joke that it's not my first rodeo here, but uh, this has been really quite unlike any other, and we can talk more about that, but um, it's been exhilarating. You know, this is why we're in Washington. This is the kind of, as as we've you know, talked about, this is kind of the intersection of politics, of television news, uh, it's been a thrill to have kind of reinforcements sent in from London and to work with some of the most talented kind of engineers and cameramen that we have, all flown in uh, from London, you know, it's often deployed in the field. Uh, we've got teams, you know, in out west in Arizona. We've got teams in the Midwest. We've got Julie Etchingham in Florida. So we've got, a, you know, a, a wide range of teams. We've got Raggy Omar with Donald Trump. Uh, you know, we've got Emma, our new Washington, uh, incoming Washington correspondent with uh, Joe Biden. And myself kind of, you know, doing the overview here in DC. And it's it's worked really well for ITV News and, and we've enjoyed every moment of it.
0: Great. Is, is there a bigger team than, than maybe you've had in the past? It sounds like, like you said, there's a lot of reinforcement.
1: Yeah, to be fair to ITV News, you know, we often do invest in, in big events. You know, we take pride in, in doing them. And so I think this is kind of the normal scale. But I think there is also kind of, by my editors in London, a recognition that this is also... Kind of a massive story just because of the scale and the kind of erratic nature of the trump presidency so mm-hmm. we have invested I think, on balance kind of more resources than we normally would we've got a presentation team obviously tom bradby is here doing news at 10 but also we did a you know seven hour live overnight broadcast on itv news mm-hmm. um you know which is a big investment for itv um and so they believe in this story and it was kind of i felt kind of increased pressure as a kind of tv correspondent here to, to try and make sure that they, that investment was kind of matched by, you know, really high quality journalism every day on every program, but particularly on that overnight program when, when the stakes are so high and when we're really kind of trying to inform Brits, you know, minute by minute, uh, state by state, what is happening and who is likely to be the next president of the United States.
0: Mm, mm. And, and what, what do you, uh, during the last 48 hours, what have you been doing while you're not on air? Um, what, how, has how that sort of shaped up for you?
1: Well, so, I mean, I, we navigated it this way. I've been on the campaign trail with Donald Trump essentially, you know, it feels like for four years, but actually essentially since the summer, I've been traveling with the president, you know, strategically, whenever he goes somewhere interesting, I tend to, to be there too. So I've been up in the battleground state of Wisconsin with him when he was holding a fence up in Green Bay recently, I was down in central Florida, you know, so we travel with the president reporting, on the campaign and then about 48 hours um, before the election, I pulled off the Donald Trump campaign and took on a more kind of strategic reporting role here in Washington and and really was uh, able to do an overview of the race. So I'm either reporting or doing live broadcasting on, on our roof over Capitol Hill in Washington, or I'm, you know, as all journalists are in this town, we are massive consumers of news as well. You know, we are grazing off every Political blog you've ever read, some that you've never heard of, trying to understand the nuances uh, of the campaign, but also um, of the actual kind of how this election might play out. So, we're also, you know, ringing our friends and contacts in both the Democratic and Republican Party. So, we're either broadcasting or we're in this kind of voracious kind of feeding mode when we're trying to gather as much uh, information as we can so that we can kind of process that, curate it, and then. Uh, broadcast it in a meaningful way for a British audience.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a daunting task.
1: I mean, I think the defining feature of, you know, uh, you know know this, Max, but uh, everybody knows It's just the amount of information now out there. Mm. You know, before, you know, we would talk to our contacts, we'd try and get first-hand, first, you know, first-hand information from from those in the administration or from those running rival campaigns. And, you know, many of us have got quite deep contacts on, on both sides of the aisle. But we'd also then kind of read the New York Times, Washington Post, dip into a couple of broadcast networks, and, uh, and that would be it. But now it's, it doesn't work like that. You know, we, there is, a I mean, quite you know, a tsunami of information out there. There's a tremendous amount of kind of activist blogs. There is, uh, you know, uh, a tremendous amount of congressional information. There's such a volume of, and not to mention Twitter and things like that, that kind of dominate our lives. So for us, I think, and for me, certainly, the the main challenge is just trying to absorb information at a a kind of incredible level and not get overwhelmed by it, but actually trying to curate it and work out what is the most important thing. And the most important thing may not be the headline in the New York Times. The most important thing may be a single black activist somewhere in Alabama making an observation that is really cutting to the chase of what it's like being... A a kind of a young African-American voter in this environment, in this election, in a Republican state. Even as we look at this volume of information, it's trying to remember that this actually is about ordinary people casting Mm -hmm. a vote and their hopes and aspirations. So we're trying not to get overwhelmed by the information.
0: And it's interesting you talk about um, sort of absorbing and passing on information. I wanted to ask about the US election is sort of notoriously complicated and the electoral college can often be quite hard to for one to get their head around. What kind of level of knowledge do you assume the UK viewer has about US politics? And, and how, do you, how do you kind of translate? Good
1: question, Max. I mean, I think we try and assume not a lot of knowledge, but a great deal of interest. I think we kind of come to this, particularly in the Trump presidency, that there's fascination um, with the United States and with the character of Donald Trump. And probably we, we acknowledge that everybody understands that what happens here matters elsewhere too you know i think that that's a kind of a given that, that the decisions made in the white house you know ripple out across the world whether mm-hmm. it's you know middle eastern wars or their economy or trade or whatever it might be uh, we we think that but i don't think we take for granted or we at least we try not to a sort of you know advanced political knowledge of the electoral college system or indeed knowledge even of you know where particular states are i mean mm-hmm. uh, you know i you know whenever we talk for example and we have been in the last 24 hours talking a lot about arizona You know, I often wonder if, you know, I'm not being patronizing here, but obviously not everybody knows the geography of the United States terribly well. Do people know where Arizona is? So I try and, you know, put a clue in there, you know, out west in Arizona or, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, we are broadcasters. So sure, we're talking to people who are, you know, follow American politics, you know, very closely, but also to those who may not be. And they've got busy lives and this may not be their priority. And they're tuning into ITV News. And all of us at ITV are, you know, very aware that our heritage is about, being accessible, assuming not a lot, but trying to make sure that the news that we broadcast reaches, you know, right across the UK to all types of audience to all demographics, as they say here. Um, and, and so we're trying not to take a lot for granted, but to, to try and draw people in and, and make them part of the kind of of the ITV family.
0: I was watching a bit of uh, a bit of CNN on on Tuesday night, um, and and since then there there I've seen maybe little bits of criticism around the U.S. reporting of the election in the sense of it being quite sensationalist and declaring counts very early and sort of sowing confusion almost. What do you think about that?
1: Well I'll tell you what I think the defining feature of kind of U.S. journalism is is partisanship. It's really remarkable uh, to which the the networks now have uh, at least some of the kind of news channels have become kind of very shrill um, and are, are manifestly you know kind of Advocates for a particular candidate. It goes without saying the kind of deep and if somewhat complicated but deep relationship between Fox News um, And the White House, but you know, it's also clear that you know MSNBC and their commentary is clearly invested in a In a Joe Biden presidency and CNN and obviously have a, you know, pretty confrontational relationship with this White House as well so I think the defining kind of relationship between the American networks um, and and the White House is just how kind of partisan and adversarial it has become. And that obviously is completely different in the kind of British media landscape where you know we take great pride in almost exactly the opposite, in, in making sure that we give the viewer the credit to to draw their own conclusions and we're much more neutral. Now, I'm not naive that you know people will say that we are establishment and and kind of and therefore don't absorb enough kind of information from alternative uh, viewpoints, or alternative news sources, uh, you know, and that's that's a criticism, you know, that we can talk on about on another day, but but mm-hmm. overall, we're certainly not in the tank for Donald Trump or or for Joe Biden. And, um, and we are just trying to present the kind of unfolding political drama as, as it happens.
0: Mm. Mm. And it sounds like you're working on on sort of boosting the alternative news sources that you that you keep your keep your eyes on.
1: What I'm working really hard on and what I spent some years trying to do here is make sure that we're listening to voices that are not otherwise heard. And we really pride ourselves in the bureau that I run here in making sure we're not kind of stuck in the Washington Beltway of, of just listening to kind of politicians on the hill or at the White House. But we were actually, you know, uh, by far the most interesting voices I've heard on the campaign trail are voices, you know, out in the Midwest or in the deep South here. And sometimes they're just somebody I meet on 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 a corner or meet at a, you know, at a diner here. And they give me a powerful insight into why voting is important or why they're disillusioned with a candidate. And it can be very surprising. You know, we can hear voices from Black Americans, why they love Trump. We can hear from... Uh, left-wing progressive activists, why they despise Joe Biden as a centrist and somebody who signed the crime bill and all of this stuff. So it doesn't fit into neat categories and the real benefit mm-hmm. of doing that is that you get to hear and realize what a diverse country this is and, and therefore how reporting it is frankly almost impossible because there is no narrative. There are 330 million Americans often with a completely different set of views. It teaches you not to generalize, in essence.
0: Yeah, that's what I've been thinking in, in c- contrasting the US situation with the UK. There's just, we have such a smaller population that it's sort of easier to box people almost into into groups.
1: We're, we're, we always joke in the field about, you know, the, the the anchor, you know, the presenter back in London saying, well, Robert, what does America feel about this? Q reporter actually is 330 million Americans and <laughs> Different things. Mm. So we, you know, we often uh, tease our, our kind of presenter friends back in London for throwing us in live two ways questions that are, you know, manifestly impossible to answer in mm. what, twenty seconds or however long I get on News at Ten.
0: You were just telling me you've been covering elections on and off since two thousand. Just how different has covering this Trump administration been compared with previous administrations?
1: Oh, I mean, it's been wildly different. And, uh, you know, if we're honest, you know, quite exciting because uh, he draws us into the narrative. You know, if you go to a Trump rally, you know, at some point, probably about 11 or 12 minutes in, because these things are unbelievably choreographed and unbelievably repetitive, about 11 minutes in, he'll point to us and say fake news Mm. and the crowd will boo us and taunt us and and, and make clear that they regard us as the enemy. Uh, So there is this wonderfully kind of uh provocative and actually quite engaging um relationship between a trump crowd and the media and although you know it can get a little hostile you know the actual takeaway is that trump is using us as a kind of foil and that he doesn't really hate us in fact he needs us and actually loves you know the secret story of the trump presidency he loves us but, um, but he's using us to kind of, you know, rile his base uh, and to make political points about a fake news narrative. And so that is absolutely unique to the last four years. And so that's challenging to cover because, you know, people are suspicious of a kind of what he would call a mainstream media narrative. But for us, we just have to keep our focus, you know, on the ball, which is to say that, you know, just report all aspects of America as it plays out, including, of course, the very powerful, very articulate and very real feelings of a Trump uh, campaign crowd.
0: It sounds like, for the most part, you've, you've in enjoyed covering the administration, but ha- have you felt um, almost threatened at times, or, or like that, that Donald Trump media hostility was, was you know, making you nervous or, or no, preventing I you? I, I,
1: no, I personally haven't. I know there was a kind of an ugly incident with a BBC cameraman, I think mm-hmm. that was about a year ago, uh, where there was, you know, genuinely some, I think, some intimidation, maybe there was even a scuffle, but but actually, my experience is not that. My experience is it's 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 um, it is almost entirely theatrical, and that you you actually meet a Trump supporter who who's moments ago was jeering you. You look him in the eyes, and they'll give you a hug. Underlying all of this kind of theatre, this political drama, is a basic American decency, civility, and friendship. It's it's all just. Pretty good-natured, in my experience, and mm. yeah, to say I've enjoyed it is an understatement. I've loved this campaign. Uh, the issues it raises are very real. You know, obviously, it's been unique as well. From a news gathering point of view, we can talk a bit about this too, in terms of working in a pandemic, particularly in a mm. country where there is a surging. Uh, virus, you know, both the first wave when the, when the primaries were finishing and the second wave during this kind of final part of the presidential campaign. That has been challenging because we've been traveling on planes in hotels on the road. By definition mixing with Trump crowds that are sometimes tens of thousands strong and trying to make sure that we're also cognizant of the public health aspect of that.
0: Yeah, it must have made things quite difficult over the past few months sort of outer layer of complexity.
1: Particularly difficult because of course Trump and, you know, he had Covid uh, and uh, his White House events were regarded as kind of super spreader events in which, uh, you know, the virus was kind of ricocheting around the White House itself. So how do we go to the White House and report on it without getting coronavirus Mm -hmm. ourselves or indeed, you know, being asymptomatic, bringing it back to our families or indeed to our, you know, colleagues in the Bureau um, is all quite a complicated picture and, you know, we were careful to wear masks where we could because we still thought it was socially responsible but you know where we had a, a six foot distance from people we would i would take it off to broadcast because you know there i said you know it's not always easy uh seeing a television reporter with a mask and not quite hearing his his voice very clearly you know my mother's hard of hearing she would say to me robert i couldn't hear what you said because i i you know i need to see your lips moving or whatever to help you know, to help me lip read there's so many issues in in live broadcasting in a Trump era America amid a pandemic. I mean, that is a kind of a cascade of events that makes live television news very demanding, very challenging.
0: Mm. Have you had much face-to-face time with with Trump over the last few years? What, what, what do you think of him kind of personally?
1: Yeah, so look, uh, I you know, I go to his press conferences from time to time. I've obviously seen him on the campaign trail, you know, almost daily for the last couple of months. Um, and, you know, I've, I've thrown him a few questions, um, throughout his presidency, some of which he's answered, some of which he hasn't. Um, you know, my kind of abiding thought is that much of this is theatre for him. We see kind of animosity and toxicity, if you like, in the, Trump char- in the Trump presidency. But as a character, he's kind of craving attention above all else. This is narcissism. Uh, I'll leave it to sort of psychiatrists and therapists. Nice. Analyze his character in full from an emotional point of view. But look, you know, I think it's fair to say, Max, that he has been the gift that keeps on giving for television news. You know, the reason I've been broadcasting almost every day for four years, you know, is not because of a sudden fascination with, um, you know, the economic performance of, uh, you know, trade in the Midwest. It's because Mm. of one one man in the White House, uh, Donald Trump, who is simply, in every sense of the word, box office.
0: Do you think in, in some respects, if he is to lose, which it's looking quite likely at this point, do you think in, in some respects you you're, you're miss covering the Trump presidency?
1: Well, look, it's an open secret that journalists will sorely miss Donald Trump. There was this sort of symbiotic relationship. You know, Trump needed the media, but no less the media needed Trump. Um, and that is, you know, that's an undeniable fact. CNN's ratings, you know, on week 27 of Joe Biden's presidency mm-hmm. is not going to be the same as, as CNN's ratings on week 27 of the Trump presidency. That's for sure. I mean, Joe Biden is a, you know, veteran politician. He's the ultimate establishment figure here. He's been around Washington since the age of 29. He's been a Mm. senator since the age of 30. He's been vice president for eight years. You know, he's 78 years old in a few days' time. Um, So, look, um, this is not a presidency that's necessarily going to grab the world's attention by itself. That's not to say that there won't be important decisions made and will, you know, of course... Invest heavily in covering America as a story, but it may be that we're covering less of the White House in the future, in the next four years, and covering more kind of the story out in out in America, particularly maybe looking at stories like racial justice and, and uh, other issues that are that that, are, that do resonate back to a UK television news audience.
0: Just finally, I I wanted to ask if there's maybe anything else that we, the the UK public and, and the UK news consumer might have missed about the Trump presidency?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, I get a lot of, uh, as do all, I'm sure, Washington reporters get a lot of feedback saying that we're unfair to Trump, that we're too critical of Trump, that we, we fall into a kind of pro-establishment kind of narrative, and that we've never kind of really understood the Trump phenomenon. I listened to that criticism, I kind of you know, I know where that's coming from, and it's part of the sort of Brexit debate as well, that, you know, that the elites, broadcast media has misunderstood the mood of a, of a nation, in this case, America, but in case of a, the Brexit debate, has missed the kind of, you know, the, the surprise that was the Brexit outcome. My overview here is that we've tried exceptionally hard uh, to try and understand, not necessarily Donald Trump, but the Donald Trump voter. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time speaking with Donald Trump supporters, I like many of them, some of my friends, um, and, and we try and make sure that we're not taking the Trump phenomenon for granted. And, mm. and I think it reflected a little bit in the fact that he played so, you know, he, it was such a strong result, even though he may have lost, almost certainly has lost, perhaps by the time people are listening to this podcast, he has lost mm-hmm. the presidency. Nevertheless, for me, the takeaway of this 2020 election is how incredibly strong he ran despite being in a pandemic, despite having a a kind of an appalling opening debate despite these endless kind of Twitter provocations, he very nearly won re election. He mm. won in Florida, he won in Texas, he won, you know, in vast swathes of this country. And that is, I think, my takeaway of this election and how ne- television news covers it is that is not something we should take for granted. We have to understand that yes, he may have lost the election, but he touched something that was pretty unique in America. He had a relationship with a crowd and with the underserved white working class voter here that is something that I've never seen in American politics before. Mm. So I I actually feel like I've learned a lot in the last four years of the Trump presidency as a journalist, um, but also as somebody who just lives here. I've understood that, you know, there is a craving in America for kind of anti-establishment, kind of non-conformist, kind of iconoclastic type of, of character who doesn't fall into the kind of neat kind of uh, categories of being an elite Washington insider so yeah I, I think that perhaps the surprising thing that people don't realize is that actually we've learned a lot from Donald Trump these last four years
0: good stuff and I, I wouldn't want to uh, wouldn't want to let you go Robert without asking you what you've been watching uh, on TV we are after all a, a TV trade podcast uh, so has it just been wall-to-wall news stuff or, or has anything caught your eye over the past few weeks <laughs>
1: I mean it's a good question max. um recognizing that this is a broadcast podcast <laughs> uh, yeah it's fair to say, look you know I, I was saying about you know the the volume of news that comes to us you know and information that comes across so you know I'm grazing across all of the television news channels, obviously you know from CNN through to uh, msNBC the the main uh, channels but you know the, the insight into Donald Trump is best achieved undoubtedly by watching Fox News because if you're listening to Fox News you know that there's another viewer who's listening to Fox News too namely Donald Trump mm. so you kind of feel like you're kind of in his kind of headspace you're in his echo chamber if you like you feel listening to Fox News so that's why I think even you know liberal critics of Donald Trump also listen to Fox at the moment because they know the president's getting his information it's kind of like being in the inside the room when he's receiving his kind of presidential daily briefing or something. Mm. You know that this is the the broadcast consumer of all presidents. No presidents ever consumed television like Donald Trump has. You know, in fact, he spent more time probably watching television than all previous presidents put together Mm. as the birth of our industry, uh, Max. So, yeah, so, you know, we are aware that television news is not only something that's our medium that we're broadcasting on, but it's something that to a remarkable extent is also informing the president of the United States. We all know, you know, everything about the president's television viewing habit. We know that his favorite program is Fox and Friends, the Fox News morning show. We know that he loves Hannity. We know that he loves uh, Tucker Carlson. You know, we basically, these last four years have grown up, bizarrely, with Donald Trump's kind of viewing habits. Mm -hmm. So it's fair to say that our viewing habits have kind of, kind of a mirror you know I've been kind of in, in that in the footsteps of Trump himself that's kind of dictated what we want.
0: That's so interesting and, and again just another yet yeah, another element that is so unique to him isn't it like I don't think you would ever have applied that to George Bush or, or, or Obama or, or well, anyone Obama who came before him.
1: Obama was you know was reading erudite books and <laughs> Yeah, was, was in there in the weeds and the granular details of his briefing papers and was uh, regarded as the kind of you know, super cool, but very intellectual president. And this is a guy who gets his, Trump is a guy who gets his information from Fox News. He's much more interested in that than hearing from, you know, from some academic or some think tank. It's a, it's it kind of, this is the television news presidency. Uh, And so to be a television news journalist during, during the television news presidency, I would say, Max, has been the kind of privilege of my lifetime.
0: Fascinating stuff and a really, really good point to end to end on Robert um, and I'm sure you have an extremely busy day ahead so thanks so much for joining us
1: always good I love to talk about politics but no less about television news which is the lifeblood of our industry and, and what we enjoy doing
0: Thank you for listening to the Broadcast News Wrap I'm senior reporter Max Goldpart, and you've been listening to ITV News Washington correspondent Robert Moore This week's podcast was edited by Jesse Whittaker. And for more on the broadcast news industry, you can check out our special Broadcast ITN microsite, commemorating ITN's 65th anniversary, where you can find the latest news, competitions and initiatives. That's at www.broadcastnow.co.uk forward slash ITN 65. And as ever, you can check out past episodes of our Newswrap podcast on Spotify and iTunes or on the website via www.broadcastnow.co.uk.